You are listening to Melbourne Lights Church Weekly Podcast. Aren't you guys amazing? We love these guys so much and they carry such a, an anointing from the Lord. And we're excited to hear what they have to say today. And I'm sure it's going to be outstanding. But can I just pray? Yes. Yeah. We need it. Maybe just put your hands on your heart so just as a sign that you want to be responsive today to the Lord and what He's saying. Father, we just thank You for this precious couple, Lord. I thank You for the anointing that You've placed on their lives. Father, open our ears to hear what the Spirit is saying. Open our eyes, Lord, to see what the Spirit is showing us. And Father, give, a, give us a willingness to respond to Your Word in Jesus' name. Amen. Wonderful. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Jason, that was great worship and team. So good just to get in the presence of the Lord. And uh, a big welcome today to very dear friends of ours, Martin and Kerry-Anne Stockdale. Let's give them a big welcome. No, 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 that is pathetic. That is shocking. Melbourne Lights, can we give them a great welcome, please? Far better. Okay, amen. They lead a great church in Radelaide and a real apostolic anointing on their lives to the nations and uh, so good to have you here. So, uh, and thank you for your prayers. Uh, the trip to New Zealand just got back, so I'm still a little bit tired, but that's why we're doing it together today. And I love ministering with Monica, and everybody knows in the house that she's a far better teacher than I am, so praise the Lord for that. You're in for a treat. In New Zealand, a lot of highlights, but last Friday, I did something that I'm not that comfortable doing anymore because of the colour of my hair. Um, and so I was invited to speak at a youth group. And I went, oh, Lord, a 60-year-old in a youth group. Yeah, how boring, you know. Looked like an old fossil there. But I, I, I showed up, and, and I spoke about for about 15 minutes on raising a revival generation. And there's about 15 kids there uh, and small youth group. But I thought, oh, I'm going to go for it. I'm here now. And uh, I'm going to be obedient. You know, why, why, why waste a moment? And uh, so thank you. So I, I preached my heart out. We were sitting in a circle and all really timid. And you know how timid I am. So um, anyhow, uh, at the end of it, I do what I always do. And we'll do that today. I, every preach, every time I have an opportunity, I invite people to have and meet the king. And uh, this beautiful little boy, Om, 14 years of age, I, I saw him, he started crying at the end of what I was presenting, and he bawled his eyes out, and he, his hand was just like this. He could not wait to put his hand up to receive Jesus. And so, um, all good, fantastic, really good, praise the Lord, talked about discipleship, and there's a little boy next to him, a 14-year-old boy, whose name is Ryan, and he's crying his head out. I went, okay. Something's not quite right here. And I said, Ryan, is everything okay? He said, yes, Zeddy. I said, ah, 14-year-old calling me Zeddy. Okay, fine. Okay, you call me Zeddy. He said, why are you crying? For two reasons. He said, because I've been praying for my friend Om for one year for him to give his life to Jesus. And today he gave his life to Jesus. His mate been praying for a year at school that Om would give his life to Jesus. I said, oh, that's mate. It's fantastic. He said, today Om came to, came to Jesus because you prayed for him and you were there for him. And then he prayed even more. 
and he couldn't talk. And I said, my boy, what, what's going on? Have I offended you? Is something wrong? He said, I want what you have, Zeddy. He said, I want whatever you have. Can I have it? And I said, oh, that's easy. The only thing I have is Jesus. And so I prayed. And he went, I couldn't even put my hand on him. He went thud on the floor. And he's shaking under the power of the Holy Spirit. God is raising a generation of young boys and girls on fire for God. So over the last four weeks, we've been doing a series called Simple Faith. And um, every time Matt Doty uh, has been asking us a question, what is your relationship with? And it started with this, what's your relationship with the Word of God? Then he preached on what is your relationship with prayer? Last week, Matt preached on what's your relationship with obedience? What are the ceilings in your life that stop you from living in the fear of the Lord in the obedience of God? And today, Matt has asked Monica and I to preach together on this question. What is your relationship with the gospel of the kingdom, with evangelism, with witnessing? What's your relationship with witnessing? The Apostle Paul in the book of Romans 1.16 says this, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of salvation, for it is the power for salvation to the Jews and the Gentiles. I am not ashamed of the gospel. We live in a society that wants to restrict your voice for the gospel of Jesus. And I want that scripture to be embedded into your heart. I am not ashamed of being a man, woman, or child that will preach the gospel of Jesus. In Matthew 9, 35 onwards, we read that Jesus went through Galilee and right through all of Nazareth, preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Signs and wonders followed him. And Jesus went through all of the cities and villages, teaching, the, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And every affliction. There are 5.2 billion people right now who still haven't heard the good news of Jesus. 5.2 billion people. That on the other side of your obedience and my obedience to share the gospel, like little Ryan, 14-year-old, somebody's waiting to have an encounter with Jesus. Did you get that? On the other side of us going, getting over ourselves and our fears and, and intimidated by the E word. The moment you mention the E word in church, everybody starts convulsing. We should be so excited about evangelism. You and I would not be here today if it wasn't for the E word. If somebody prayed for us, somebody led us to Christ, that we are born again, that today, if I die today, I am not going to hell. Amen? Do you have that certainty? That if you died today, and I don't want to be somber, that you know for certain that if something, the Lord called you home today, I'm going to be with Jesus, baby. I'm going to celebrate. I'm parting in heaven. By the end of this morning, I pray, don't go out of those doors if you don't have 100% certainty that you are born again and that you are a child of the living God and God's your Lord and Savior. And so today, I have the privilege of preaching with my beautiful wife, and she's going to share some of her journey with the gospel. Amen. Hi, everyone. So when, when, what have I done? When we ask what's my relationship with the E word, I've had such a journey on this, and I thought I'm going to share some of my journey this morning with you. Um, and the reason I felt it important to go on this journey is because it's really important. Because the Bible, it's the truth of the Bible that we're called to go into the world and make disciples. So if the Bible says that I want to do it, and if it 
the Bible says it, then I'm going to be empowered to do it as well. Because God doesn't tell us to do things that he doesn't empower and equip us for. So, um, so right at the start, I'm speaking to myself as much as anyone, just so you know. Uh, and, yeah, so I, a little bit of my journey. So as a teenager, um, I struggled with social anxiety and fear of talking to people. Uh, and then when I made Jesus the Lord of my life, he slowly and gradually delivered me from that fear and anxiety. Uh, so that was step one in my journey towards um, sharing faith. And then there were some, some key moments. There was one time we were in a church in the 90s and we had a revival going on in the church and someone came to preach about sharing our faith and they talked about that it has to be from a place of compelled by love, from his arms of love. And there was a song in that era. I've still got it on my playlist in the old days. <laughs> it's, it's, um, There's no place I'd rather be than in your arms of love. And that song was really key for me because as we stand or sit in his arms of love, that's where we go from. As the... Um, the Ryan so powerfully exhorted us a couple of weeks ago from that place of abiding in him, from that place in his love, resting in his love. That's, that's where we go from. That's where, the, where we're compelled and the, the motivation comes from. So as I spent time in his arms of love, I was able to go and uh, with less fear gradually, less fear more and more uh, to carry his love to those who don't know his love. And then there was another time in the early 2000s when we were planning the church in Sydney and we went to our first, or one of our first equips. We've got an equip coming up in February. This was one of our first. And Dudley Daniel, who he started New Covenant Ministries International. He was leading the team then. And he was speaking on sharing our faith and he, he spoke from Matthew 4.19, which says this. And Jesus said to them, follow me, and I will, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And then Dudley said something that the Holy Spirit used to convict me. He said, if you aren't making fishers of men, are you actually truly following him? follows that if he says, follow me, I will make you fishers of men, then he will empower and enable us to make fishers of men if we're truly following him. And I say convict because the enemy wants to come and condemn us always. So um, if, it, if it's conde con condemning, I was going to say condemnatory, but it's too hard to say. If it's condemning, you can be sure it's the enemy. And in evangelism, there's so much room <laughs> to feel condemned um, that the, the enemy will come and kind of squish you down with condemnation, like a worm, squish you down. So then you're actually paralysed. It's the reverse effect. But the Holy Spirit comes and convicts. And he says, this is what I've said in my word. Repent from um, not doing what you what is said in my word and then my Holy Spirit will empower you to do what I've said in my word. So 
So there's a big difference there. So don't ever receive in your heart the condemnation of the enemy. Receive in your heart the conviction of the Holy Spirit, though. So we can do a 180 turn and be empowered by the Holy Spirit. Following Jesus as his disciple means bringing others along. His parting words, go into the world and make disciples. I had a revelation this morning, actually, about the Great Commission. So, um, it's been dubbed the Great Commission. It's not actually in the Bible, but it's been dubbed the Great Commission. And I just realised this morning, because commissioning is, you stand before a king and he commissions you to go, but it's also co-mission. And I'm probably the only one who's never seen that before, but it's, it's with him. It's co-mission with him. So it's him and us together on mission. Uh, and this, this passage actually says, before the Great Commission, it says, all authority I give to you. And then it finishes with, and I will not leave you. I will be with you to the end of the age. So it's co-mission with him. So sorry if you all know, already know that. I thought that was really cool. <laughs> so the simple mandate, we are called to love God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength to love others and to go into the world and make disciples. That's the simple truth <laughs> of what we're called to. But as I said, it must be from that place of being compelled by the love of Christ, not from that place of should, oh, I should really go and do some evangelism today, or that place of condemnation or comparison or pride or all those ceilings that Matt talked about last week or any that the Holy Spirit might have revealed to you personally this week if we're going on our own not compelled by the love of Christ then we're bringing our rubbish to the people instead of the love of Christ to the people so that scripture I'll just read that scripture that talks about the love of Christ compelling us 2nd Corinthians 5 14 for the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus this is only what we judge. <laughs> we don't judge and condemn. We judge that if one died for all, then all died, and he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. So we don't live for ourselves. We die for him. We live for him, not die, and we die for him too, <laughs> both. We live for him, uh, and then that love that we know of his compels us. And then it goes on to say that we have the ministry of reconciliation. How amazing is that, that we get to have the ministry of restoring people into right relationship with God. So what did Jesus do? How did he minister? So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew 14. And the context, uh, verse 13, the context is that Jesus' cousin and friend, John the Baptist, had just been beheaded and the news of this had reached Jesus. So Jesus, understandably, was sad. He wanted to grieve and be alone. So verse 13 says, When Jesus heard it, the news of John the Baptist, he departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. He was grieving. He wanted to be alone. But when the multitudes heard it, they followed him on foot from the cities. And when Jesus went out, he saw a great multitude what did he do? Did he row as fast as he could <laughs> to get to his hiding place? 
and retreat and hide. No, it says he was moved with compassion for them and healed their sick. So his compassion overtook all else. I'm sure in the natural he didn't want to be with people right then. I wouldn't have. All the introverts know that, that you'd want to be alone if you're grieving. Um, But the Greek word for compassion here, which is too hard to say, but it starts with S, it means that he was moved from his inward parts, from his bowels, moved with deep compassion and pity, with deep affection, with tender mercies and sympathy from the inner place where strong and powerful emotions originate from. That's that's how Jesus overcame wanting to be alone. He was moved with compassion. What moves us with compassion? Good question to ask. What moves you with, with compassion? Jesus' deep grief was overtaken by stronger compassion and love. He healed them. And then they were hungry. So... If it was me, I would have sent them away to eat and gone back to my place alone grieving. But he fed them with the two loaves and fishes. And so don't forget the goods and the gospel. James 2 says, If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So we bring them the goods and we also bring them the gospel. And it also says in that passage that Jesus saw them. So he saw the crowds and then he was moved with compassion. My glasses are scratched at the moment. I've got my appointment tomorrow. And it's really irritating because I can't see properly um, through one side. And I was thinking if we're not seeing Jesus clearly first then we're not seeing people through Jesus' lens and then we'll be irritated. (laughs) Just, yeah, like I am with my glasses. So receiving his love um, and then moved with compassion out of that. Then another time that Jesus was moved with compassion was Matthew 9, 35 to 38. It says, Jesus went all about the cities and villages teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. Other Bible translations say they were harassed, helpless, dispirited, confused, dejected, downcast and worn out. Is there anyone like that around us these days? Only everywhere, everywhere we go, there's people who are downcast, dispirited, harassed, helpless, without a shepherd. How can we have the compassion of Jesus to those people around us? By remembering our chief shepherd. When we're mindful of how lost we were, we were like sheep, says in Isaiah, sheep gone astray without a shepherd, each turning to our own way. That didn't go too well for me turning to my own way, (laughs) not sure about you, even if it looks like it's going okay, eternally, it's not going to go too well, doesn't go well going our own way, but we were so lost, and then he came came in, Jesus carried our sin on his body to the cross, so when we see Jesus, when we see his, 
the beautiful exchange that he brought when he's, we see his nail-pierced hands, his blood poured out for, so we can have life, his anguish in the garden, Father, take this away. Why have you deserted me, Father? So that we can have relationship with the Father. His stripes for our healing, his resurrection for our victory, his blood for our freedom, his love that drove him to suffer the unimaginable, unimaginable for you and I. That's, that's where our love, that's how we're compelled by love and moved by compassion. That's where the motivation comes from, compelled by the extreme love of Christ for us. Out of that deep transforming love, transforms us. His love's transformed me. I can't tell you how many times and how much. That unconditional, unfailing, redemptive love, merciful, powerful love. If we're filled with that love, then we're compelled with that love. Because there's people who don't know. This is my main point. They don't know. We know his love. I know. They don't know. They need to know this love, this amazing love. And then the next, the next um, verse. Oh, I thought you were reminding me of something. The next verse, uh, verses say, in verse 37 and 38 say, Then Jesus said to his disciples, The harvest truly is plentiful, but the labourers are few. Therefore, pray the Lord of the harvest to send out the labourers into his harvest. Nothing's changed. The harvest still is plentiful and the labourers still are few. But I got to wondering, why does he say, pray to the Lord of the harvest? Why doesn't he just say, go into the harvest? He says, pray the Lord of the harvest. So I thought of a, a couple of reasons. One is, we don't want to go without him. So we stay in that place he told the disciples to wait until they were clothed with power from on high. So we wait in that place, in his arms of love, abiding in him, clothed on, with power from on high by the Holy Spirit, and then we go into the harvest from that place. The Acts tells us that the disciples turned the world upside down because they had been with Jesus. I love that. They'd been with Jesus, so they turned the world upside down. Secondly, it's interesting, the Greek word for send out here is ekebalo, which means to compel one to depart. There it is again, that word, compel. So as we, as we pray to the Lord of the harvest, then he compels us by his love to depart and be sent out. And thirdly, we, we pray for others to get the heart to, be, to share the love of Jesus, to, to be sent out by him, discipling others to go, sharing the extreme love of Jesus so that they're compelled by that love to go. And it starts by waiting on Jesus for revelation of his love, compelled by his compassion, being clothed like a glove by the Holy Spirit. So that's the motivation to go. Um, and we're going to do a few practical, show a few practical things this morning. First of all, I'm a bit of a pragmatist, so in my thinking, if you just start being friendly and are intentionally being friendly, then the worst that can happen is they're going to say, go away and leave me alone, 
the best, uh, the, a good outcome, a good outcome is you might brighten up a lonely person's day. The best outcome is you can share the love of Jesus with them. And the ultimate best outcome is they can accept Jesus' love. <laughs> but you can just start by being friendly and see what the Holy Spirit does. We don't have to be the most eloquent. We just have to have that heart be moved with compassion. So a lot of us here have done silence breakers. Um, some may ha not have. So we thought we'd remind you of a couple of the tools. So I'm going to remind you of the 30-second testimony, and then Paul, I'll hand over to Paul. I've got time. Yeah, take your time. <laughs> We've got two hours, <laughs> So um, I don't know if it's 15 or 30 seconds. Anyway, it's a f less than a minute testimony. <laughs> so... So it, it starts with um, explaining to the person how you were before you met Jesus. So before I met Jesus, I've, I won't write them all, it'll take too long. Before I met Jesus, I felt worthless, like I didn't have any value. I had social anxiety and I was full of worry and fear. So this is mine. So you think of yours while I'm sharing mine. And ask the Holy Spirit this week to... Um, help you work one out so you've got it ready. And then I, I met Jesus. I realised that Jesus died on the cross for me. I turned to him. I repented of going my own way, received his love, his free gift in my life, his redemption, turned my life to him. And then because I knew Jesus, he did so much in my life. He gave me salvation. He made me feel like I was had value because he had died on the cross and shed his blood for me. He slowly set me free from social anxiety and made me feel accepted in him so that I didn't have to feel rejected but accepted. And he released, he gave me peace for my worry and set me free from fear. How about you? So you say to the person, what about you? Or you can start with, if they say they're afraid, you could start with, I was afraid. Just mix it up according to that person. How about you? Would you like to be set free as well like I was? Now, I want to, before I share the three circles, uh, just because Matt asked me to share on the three circles, um, and, and that what I want to say is that you have to ask the Holy Spirit what works in you and through you. Can I say that? Uh, it could be the three circles. These are tools. Uh, the, but the greatest thing is that you're, it's the Holy Spirit. The motivation is love. Amen. Uh, I use the prophetic. That's how the Lord uses me. But uh, anyhow, the three circles. Let's uh, see if I remember the three circles. And I got myself a diagram because there's a lot of people in this room who've done the three circles. All right. So three circles, ladies and gentlemen. Who's done silence breakers? Fantastic. First circle. Where's the first circle go? Left or right? On the right is correct. What's in the middle of that circle, ladies and gentlemen? Brokenness is correct. And so we live in a world right now where we just look around everywhere and you can see brokenness everywhere. There's wars, rumors of wars to the theologians in the house. Um, uh, Matthew 24, 25, we can see brokenness everywhere. Brokenness everywhere. 
brokenness in relationships, gender identity, gender confusion. Our schools are broken. Our, our religious systems are broken. Everything around us is broken. And so what does mankind do? They try to find a solution to the brokenness of humanity. Some look in business. And there's nothing wrong with that. They try it out, but they realize it doesn't fill the void. Who am I and what's my purpose? Some tried in sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And in a former life, that's what I did with no joy. And so we look at whatever it is, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. You try that, and then you keep on coming back. And you need more because it's addictive. You need more and more and more, and it doesn't work. And then you can fill in the blanks. For some, it's work or position. And so you spring back to this place of brokenness. But you were never designed to live in a world that was broken. In the Genesis, you were created with the other circle. And it's the circle of love. It's the circle of relationship with Jesus. I suck at drawing. Can I say that? I just, I'm no good at it. But I'm good at the prophetic. But anyhow, it's the best version of a heart I can do. I know what a heart looks like. It's got four chambers. Amen. And in here... Jesus, at the, at the beginning, created you perfect, without blemish, without brokenness. You were in perfect relationship until in chapter 3 of the Genesis, then sin came in. And so mankind, humanity, decided that they would not no longer live in this perfect garden, but rebel, an act of treason. And forevermore, for 2,000 years, humanity walked away from the perf perfect relationship with God. What happened? Wars came in. Brokenness came in. Broken marriages came in. Gender confusion came in. All kind of brokenness came in. And the world is still like that. But praise God that that wasn't God's last picture for us. The third picture, the most important picture is this, is that when Jesus looked at the cross and went on the cross, he said, I'm not going to let humanity live in a place of brokenness. And so what he did, he sent Jesus to die on the cross for us. He descended into earth. And for 33 years, he lived here. This is the gospel that Jesus came and he demonstrated signs and wonders and miracles. He delivered people from demons. He brought, he brought compassion on people. Like Monica said, he brought healing. He brought salvation. He redeemed this once and for all by the power of the cross. And then he rose to sit on the heavenly side of the Father. And so Jesus came that we could come and have an encounter with Jesus. So once again, you and I could live in that perfect circle. But the question is asked is this. Number one, will you make Jesus the Lord? That's a crown. You like my crown? And all the teachers in the house are cringing. Like, oh, just not good at craft. That's just not my gift. But you have a choice today. And I want to ask you a question. Where would you rather live? Where would you rather live the rest of your life? In the brokenness of humanity or in the perfect circle of God's love of being in a relationship with Him? Where do you see yourself today? I'm not asking you hypothetically right now. I'm actually asking you. If you died tonight, do you know for certain that you would go to be with Jesus? I asked this question last week in the church. And 11 people put their hand up in tears saying, I don't know. 
radically saved. We erupted in tears. A lot of people have put their hand up, but don't know that they are saved. Do you know that you're saved? Because we can only give away what we have. And so right now, where would you rather live? Here or here? Jesus paid the price. There's a beautiful song that's just been released by Brooke. I never know how to say her surname. But Calvary is enough. It just reduces me to tears. I cried all the way to church today hearing that song, Calvary is enough. Because I know the price that Jesus paid. Would you close your eyes before I finish? If you're sick and tired of living in this circle of brokenness, and you don't know and you've not made Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, if you don't know for certain right now at this very moment, like those 11 people last week in Hastings in New Zealand, then I want you right now to make a decision. Stop making excuses. Hell is real. Heaven is real. And God paid the ultimate price and He wants what He paid for. He wants what He paid for and that is your life. If you've never made the Lord and Savior of your life and you're sick and tired of living in brokenness, now I'm inviting you to move back to the original circle, to be in relationship with Jesus. You can make every excuses under the world. You lived in the Christian family. You've seen hypocrisy. You've seen it all. You blame your parents. You blame the church. You blame everybody but your own sinfulness. Can you stop doing that right now and repent? Would you pray this with me? Jesus, I repent of rebelling against a holy God, as we heard in worship today. And unreservedly, I make you the king of my life. Thank you for descending into my world, dying on the cross, and giving me resurrection power life right now, so I can live back into that circle of perfect unity with you. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Fill me, Holy Spirit. Anoint me with fresh oil. With every eye closed, would you lift up your hand right now if you prayed that right now for the first time and you gave your life back to Jesus? Just lift your hand up right now. Say, yes, Paul, that was me. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Would you all stand with us? So we start with the same question. Come, my love. Come and join me. <laughs> I love doing this together. What's your relationship with the gospel? What's your relationship? By the grace of God, Monica and I have had the privilege of sharing the gospel many times. Amen. And so now we want to pray for the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we can't do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It just ain't going to happen. As Monica said, you can either do it by compulsion. What's the word you use? Condemnation. Condemnation or by conviction. So Monica is going to pray now for that oil of the Holy Spirit to anoint us. Amen. Come, the prophets are speaking. I love it. Yeah. Simple faith. So we can transform the world that God's called us in. This is one of my favorite expressions. And uh, Monica put it on my grave one day. On the other side of our obedience, a miracle awaits to happen. On the other side of your obedience, 
of your faithfulness or you getting over yourself or stop being scared. I never get tired of hearing Monica's story because we've been mates now for 35 years and I've seen the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in this shy young girl that I met many years ago into the roaring lioness she is today. Amen. And that's what the Holy Spirit can do in you. Would you pray for us, Mon? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for your deep, deep love, your transforming love for each one of us here. Lord, I pray that, um, that we would know that love so deep down that we'd be deep down moved by compassion, Lord. Would you clean, out, clean in us, in our deep down parts, clean it, clean it out with your love, Lord. Remove all, the, all our rubbish that's there and replace it with your transforming love and with your compassion for those around us, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus, that you're, you're the freedom bringer, Jesus. Thank you for setting us free today. And Lord, I've, I've been set free myself from intimidation and fear. So I want to pray for anyone here. Just lift up your hands if you're feeling intimidated and fearful in any area. Um, in this area of sharing your faith or in any area, Jesus just wants to come and break it this morning. So thank you, Jesus, that your perfect love casts out fear. Thank you that you have not given each one of these precious children of yours, sons and daughters of yours here, a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. So we come against fear and intimidation in the mighty and powerful name of Jesus and we say no more in Jesus' name. Let your people go, Lord Jesus. Let the people be free from fear and intimidation. Where the enemy would come and speak lies and breathe lies of condemnation and intimidation, we, we say no in Jesus' name, that your truth, your truth would come and transform by the renewing of our minds, Lord, that your love would come and transform, your transformative love, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. And I pray that you would set each one of us free more and more so that we can, that we can have our eyes open to see those who don't know. They don't know you, Jesus. Open our eyes to see those who, who don't know that you love them. They, they think that you're someone else who you're not really. Open our eyes to see those who need that distorted image they see of you to be corrected by us, to, that we can show them that you love them. You love them. You want to save and redeem their lives. Thank you, Jesus. Give us clear, clear lens to see Jesus. Pour it out. Pour it out right now. I felt the holiness of God all day. Pour that oil. Pour that oil right now. Open your mouth and drink. Don't drink from the sewer. Don't drink from yesterday's revival. God is on revival right now. The cry of my heart, let it be the cry of your heart. Don't pass me by. So pour out your spirit, Lord God, right now. Pour it out. Baptize us afresh. Anoint us with fresh oil. Pour it out, Holy Spirit. Right now, Lord God, 
Father, we lay down our crowns and we take on your crown. Pour it out, God. Lord, we are thirsty. As Mark started today, Isaiah 55 is a prophetic declaration. Come to the waters and drink, and your soul will delight in the riches of fear. And so we drink right now. Drink right now. Drink right now. Father, we drink right now. 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 We drink right now, Lord God. Pour it out. I really feel we need to finish off with uh, a song. Where's Jason? Can we have the worship team up? Sorry, guys. I know it's late notice, but I feel like we need to just honor God again. I just want to say a couple of things. The one is you don't have to be an artist to do this. You know, Paul was making excuses, but I mean, it's just fantastic as it is. It's just a general idea. It's a tool. And the other thing is, um, I guess as a, as a testimony, um, Louise and I have just come back from South Africa, and uh, we went up to a beautiful breakfast one morning in Hillcrest, and uh, after breakfast, we're walking around, there were a couple of stalls around, and uh, Louise said, let's go into this stall, and it was a lady that made glass beads, and uh, so we were just going in to have a look, quite pretty, and as I was looking at the woman, and from the face, from her face, you wouldn't think there was anything wrong, and I, but as I looked at her, I just felt this word, word trauma over her. And I thought, okay, well, that's difficult to lead with that. And then I felt new season. So I thought, okay, I'll lead with that. <laughs> that seems a bit more encouraging. Anyway, so I looked at her, and, um, and so she made all her glass beads on site, and I really felt there was something about God wanting to shine His light through her work. Anyway, so I said, oh, this might sound strange, but, you know, I'm, I'm a believer, Jesus, I'm a Christian, and I just feel the word new season for you. So she looks at me, and suddenly this happy face changed, and she, was, she started crying. <laughs> then I'm starting to cry. I'm thinking, like, what the heck's going on here? She said, a year ago, my son was killed, and he always encouraged me to do this glass art, uh, you know, to, because she was good at it, and she didn't do it commercially, but now she was. And so I'm crying. She's crying, and I felt her, her trauma but isn't it amazing how God doesn't declare what she's gone through, but rather declares where He wants to take her to a new season. And so then Louise put her arm, you know, my wife, <laughs> puts her arm around her. She's ministering life to her. You know, it doesn't take, like in that moment, I didn't care that the, there was people in the shop. I didn't care. I was crying. I was more concerned about... The move of the Spirit, and that's what Paul was saying, like you've got to go as God leads you, as, as Holy Spirit works in you. It's not a formula. We know that. And th these are great tools. Well, sorry, not these, but what was on the board. <laughs> these people are fantastic. But, <laughs> but you, you know, that's a great tool. But, you, you know, let God show you how He works in you because there is life. And I believe that day we ministered powerfully to a lady we didn't know at all. I was hugging her, a random woman. You know, my wife's there, of course, but I'm hugging her. I'm, I'm, giving her, I'm giving her peace. I'm comforting her. I'm declaring a promise of God that he, he sees her. He, he knows her. He wants his light to shine through her work. Isn't that wonderful? Let's give the Lord a hand. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If you have any questions or would like more information, please contact us at melbournelightschurch.com.au.